News. From Washington, VOA presents Issues in the News. Hello and welcome to Issues in the News. I'm Kim Lewis and joining me on the panel this week are Cindy Sane, VOA Senior Diplomatic Correspondent, and Steve Reddish, VOA Executive Producer. Welcome, Cindy and Steve. Thank you. Good to be here. Well, here are the issues. Senate Democrats are hoping to negotiate with moderate Senators Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema to address their disagreements on the size and scope of President Biden's Build Back Better economic package as it heads to the Senate. President Biden announced he will nominate Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell to a second four-year term amid new concerns of controlling inflation, and he took the opportunity to respond to Democrats who voiced opposition to the nomination. Biden also said he would nominate Dr. Leo Brainerd, a longtime Federal Reserve official, to serve as vice chair of the Board of Governors of the Federal Reserve System. The Department of Energy will release 50 million barrels of oil from the nation's strategic petroleum reserve as the Biden administration seeks ways to control rising costs at the pump. A House of Representatives Select Committee investigating the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol building issued subpoenas to more individuals, including former President Donald Trump's ally Roger Stone and conspiracy theorist Alex Jones, as lawmakers deepen their probe of the rallies that preceded the deadly attack. The suspect in a Christmas parade crash in suburban Milwaukee, Wisconsin, that killed six people, was free on $1,000 bail posted just two days before the deadly event, a fact that is leading to a review of what happened and renewed calls for giving judges more power to set higher bails. Sudan's Prime Minister Abdullah Hamdak said he has agreed to join the man who deposed him in a coup, Abdel Fattah al-Burhan, to form a government in order to maintain the economic gains from the past two years. Well, those are the issues, and let's get started. Well, Steve, House Democrats passed the Build Back Better bill, a key piece of Biden's sweeping domestic agenda. But the $1.9 trillion plan faces hurdles in the Senate, where Senator Manchin of West Virginia and Senator Sinema of Arizona have voiced concerns over its reach and big price tag. So what is the next step for Democrats? Democrats are trying to figure out how to economically deal with getting the country out of the COVID pandemic and into a more normal economy while trying to control inflation. And those two things seem to be at odds with one another. What we're seeing with the Democrats, they're arguing among themselves about Biden's Build Back Better expanded social safety net legislation, how much to spend and what to spend it on and how many years to keep these programs going. The tapping of the strategic petroleum reserves and Biden's renomination of Jerome Powell to chair the Federal Reserve is all signs that the coronavirus pandemic still has its grip on the United States and the world economy. The inflation that we're seeing right now that the Democrats are very worried about, because it is a campaign issue coming up in 2022, throughout the pandemic, the government has spent trillions of dollars to keep millions of Americans afloat, and that has created inflation. What happened, instead of spending money on 
services and going back to restaurants and bars and theme parks over the past summer, which was the hope of the Biden administration since vaccinations had already been out and the country would hopefully come back to a more normal sense. That didn't happen because of the Delta variant. People stayed inside and instead of spending on restaurants and going out, they started spending on goods and larger things and things that they can buy and have delivered to their homes. That's when the supply chain kinks kicked in and goods started skyrocketing as far as the prices are concerned. Oil and gasoline prices started skyrocketing. And now we're in this situation where there's a lot of money out there chasing too few goods. And that's why we're seeing inflation spike up. And it's going to be a concern for Democrats going into a, a congressional election year. Yes, Steve is right. COVID-19 is certainly still a huge factor here in the U.S. and around the world in Europe, where several countries are now facing lockdowns again and different measures. And President Biden definitely wants Americans to feel like that he cares. So he spoke uh, to the nation and did this move of releasing 50 million barrels of oil from the strategic reserve. And some critics of this move say, well, 50 million barrels sounds like a lot, but it's not really enough to make a difference with the country consuming about 20 million barrels a day, usually in 2018 and 2019. And uh, some are also saying this is the first time lots of presidents have done this before, but it's the first time this is being used just to try to get prices down. For Americans now in a lot of places in the country, a gallon of gas is about $4, which is high here. Some say this is more of a political move. This is Biden sending a message that he cares. And of course, the high gas prices and other high prices, as Steve said, are very much on the minds of Americans as they approach this holiday season. Yeah, the holiday gas prices are about 50 to 60 percent higher than they were last summer. You have to remember, though, the summer of 2020, gasoline prices were low because Nobody was out traveling. Everybody was at home, stuck inside because of the pandemic. And the low prices caused the oil-producing countries to not have as much revenue as they used to. And appeals by President Biden and other countries to those OPEC oil-producing nations to step up production. The oil-producing nations are saying, why should we? The price is high enough we're making a lot more money now than we did last summer. So that's one of the reasons why Biden and other leaders are releasing their oil reserves to try and keep prices low. And as Cindy said, usually it's it's because there isn't enough oil and gas in the supply line. Right now, it's really to try and keep prices low and it's a political issue for President Biden. He's got very short margins in both the House and the Senate as far as Democratic control. Those margins could go away, especially if the economy does not reverse itself and move into a lower inflation rate. The economy is doing very well. GDP is up. Many of the uh, corporations are seeing higher profits this year than they've seen in the last couple of years. However, a lot of Americans are feeling the pinch really at the gas pump where you got to pay for this to get to work. You got to pay for it to go on vacation. You got to pay for gas and oil to heat your homes. These are costs that when they go up, that means 
less money in the family home budget to buy other things. And that is really one of the biggest political concerns for the Biden administration, that Americans are going to feel that their savings and their other funds that they have accumulated, especially during the pandemic, will be whittled away by inflation. Also, Biden asked the Federal Trade Commission to investigate whether illegal conduct is driving up prices at the gas pump for Americans. What are they trying to find out? They're trying to find out whether or not the oil companies are colluding or doing something to keep prices at a certain point, which is illegal. It's illegal for corporations and companies to collude. It's an antitrust violation here in the United States. So that's what they're investigating. That said, it really is incumbent upon oil-producing nations to step up production. So far, they don't see it in their interest. That's something that the American government and other governments around the world will be trying to do over the next few months is to get more oil into the system from OPEC countries. Also, President Biden announced he will nominate Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell to a second four-year term amid some Democrats opposing the nomination. Why is there opposition to this? Is it strictly political because he's a Republican? Part of it is that. Part of it is that partisan divide. As you pointed out earlier, President Biden also nominated Lael Brainerd, Dr. Lael Brainerd, who has been with the Fed for quite a while to serve as the vice chair of the Board of Governors. Many progressive Democrats were pushing for her nomination as Fed chair because they see her as someone who has got more progressive economic policies and ideas, ways to try and bring some of the minorities and equalizing some of the economic issues that the United States faces. They see her policies as more progressive than Jerome Powell. That said, as Fed Chairman, Powell navigated the country through the pandemic by keeping interest rates low, pumping more money into the economy. And the result of that is we're seeing the inflationary measures that are out there right now. Consumer prices are up about 6 to 7% annually. And Powell is now facing whether to pull money out of the economy by raising interest rates and trying to figure out whether or not that will slow down the economy going forward or whether he keeps interest rates low and tries to ride out this inflationary period, which everybody is saying, as soon as the supply chain works its way through and some of the kinks that are in the supply chain because of the pandemic work their way out, that once all of that happens, prices will come down and the economy will grow as normal. As the U.S. deals with this inflation here, we're also into the official holiday shopping season. So in looking at that, how will this season compare with last season when we were right in the midst of the pandemic? So far, there's been some concern that many of the goods, especially the popular holiday Christmas gifts, won't be on the shelves. So far, we're not seeing so much of that, but we are still four weeks away from Christmas and the shopping season should be starting in earnest after the Thanksgiving holiday. So a lot of the concerns as, as to whether or not this will be a prosperous Christmas for retailers and whether or not Americans will feel good about the holiday season 
we're going to see over the next few weeks is whether or not store shelves are continued to be stocked. Right, Kim. I think we're probably going to see more Americans traveling and going to be with family and loved ones this Christmas season with more people vaccinated. Perhaps I can just tell from my own anecdotally, from my own email inbox, what we call the Black Friday sales or the Friday after Thanksgiving are already starting very early. And as Steve said, it just remains to be seen as to whether stores and retailers are hoping for a better year this year. Absolutely. And another big issue on Capitol Hill, the Democratic-led House Select Committee investigating the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol has issued more subpoenas, including to several former Trump allies, including Roger Stone and InfoWars founder Alex Jones. The committee said the subpoenas are focused on the planning and financing of January 5th and January 6th rallies in Washington, D.C., the subsequent march, and then the deadly riot. So what roles does the committee think that Stone and Jones played in what led up to the attack on the Capitol? The committee is now turning to focus for the first time on the instigators of the violence. So far, we've seen a lot of people charged and some sentenced, people who were on the ground, some of whom had weapons, who were fighting their way into the Capitol, who were attacking Capitol police officers. And now we're seeing the select committee uh, issue subpoenas. Also, as you said, to some of former President Donald Trump's close associates, also to leaders of the far right. Proud Boys and Oath Keeper militias. And the committee is looking to uncover any possible connections between these paramilitary groups and the groups that planned this, what was called Save America rally on the day that Congress was going to certify Joe Biden as president-elect. And this rally and this attack on the Capitol was designed to stop that certification and basically to prevent Biden from becoming president. So the panel is seeking connections between these groups. And the question really is, did then-President Donald Trump know about the planned violence ahead of time. And some would say, well, yet he was instigating it because he was saying that the election was fraudulent, although there was no evidence to prove that. And one journalist said that he asked about the threats to then Vice President Mike Pence, who was in the Capitol that day sheltering for his life, whereas those who were attacking the Capitol were chanting, hang Mike Pence, hang Mike Pence. And that then President Trump, when asked about Pence's safety, basically said that people were justifiably upset. So now the committee is getting into what a lot of people have been waiting for, not just those who were on the ground and who were acting violently, but those who planned, organized, and paid for the rally and the ensuing violence. It appears that the committee is trying to figure out how the rally was organized and whether or not there were signals that were missed by the Capitol Police, by the FBI, by other intelligence officials. The Washington Post is reporting that one of Washington, D.C.'s top intelligence officials is being questioned by the committee as to what he had learned before the Capitol attack, what he had seen come across as far as intelligence chatter, what these various different groups were saying and talking about as far as the Capitol was concerned. 
ahead of the attack. And there's also a new report that the committee is pressing the D.C. Court of Appeals to quickly rule on whether or not the committee can get records that they have subpoenaed from the White House, records such as visitor logs, phone call logs, who the president and others in the White House were meeting with, who they were talking with ahead of the January 6th attack. The committee is saying any further delay would hamper its investigation, which it hopes to wrap up by springtime. Former President Trump has appealed a judge's ruling that allowed these records to be turned over. He has appealed, so that is kind of delaying that aspect of the investigation. And several of the former president's closest advisors who have been subpoenaed to testify still have not. The committee is trying to figure out how to deal with these recalcitrant witnesses who they've subpoenaed. The process is moving along. It's moving along slowly. The wheels of justice in the United States usually grind slowly, despite the desire for speedy trials and the speedy conclusion to this. So we're going to be dealing with all of the news coming out of the committee and really taking a look at who they're subpoenaing and trying to figure out which way the committee is going through those methods. Excellent points from both of you, and we'll continue to follow this investigation as it moves deeper and deeper with hopes of finding out who organized, planned, paid for, and received funds relating to the attack on the Capitol. It is time now for a quick break, and when we return, the suspect in a Christmas parade crash in suburban Milwaukee, Wisconsin, that killed six people was free on $1,000 bail posted just two days before the deadly event. Issues in the News is coming to you from the Voice of America in Washington. If you would like to download the program, it's free on iTunes. Just click on the iTunes tab on our website at voanews.com. While you're there, check out our other programs, Press Conference USA and Encounter. Also visit us on Facebook and leave a comment or two. Then like us at Current Affairs with Carol Castiel. Now back to our panel via Skype. Cindy Sane, VOA Senior Diplomatic Correspondent, and Steve Reddish, VOA Executive Producer. Well, Steve, Daryl Brooks Jr. is the suspect that crashed his vehicle into a Christmas parade in Waukesha, Wisconsin, that killed six people. He was free on $1,000 bail and has one pending case against him where he allegedly deliberately hit a woman with his car earlier in November. So many people are wondering why this person was free to be able to go out and hurt and even kill other people. That is the big question coming out of Waukesha, Wisconsin. How did the legal system allow this man to be walking free and be able to do the kind of things that he did? He's got an arrest record several arms long. 12 criminal convictions over the last 20 years. He's a registered sex offender. And after being arrested for running over a woman who he has a, had, a, had a child with, he was free on $1,000 bail, which is ridiculously low. The district attorney in Milwaukee County is saying that as well, that it was set, quote, inappropriately low and is looking into why it was set so low. Judges are under a lot of pressure as far as setting bail 
for those who are arrested. Some of the factors that the judges take into consideration are a defendant's criminal record, whether the defendant is a risk to flee and skip out on any kind of future court hearings or a trial, the risk of further criminal activity, and another factor that goes into a judge's decision as to how high or low to set bail is overcrowded jails and a backlog of cases to be heard. Bail reform is something that has been enacted by many communities over the last decade or so. There's been a lot of concern that people of color are often locked up and kept in jails on relatively low-level crimes because they cannot afford to pay the bail amount. And it's leading some states to reform their bail systems. And now after Daryl Brooks's allegedly murderous drive down the streets of Waukesha, some states are now looking to see whether or not those reforms that they have enacted should be reversed. Kim, in the aftermath of this terrible, terrible tragedy where you have six people dead and 13 children still hospitalized, dancing grannies hit and some of them killed and in a holiday parade. After this tragedy, you have a state legislator in Wisconsin calling for a constitutional amendment because apparently in Wisconsin, a judge is not allowed to consider a defendant's danger to the community when setting bail. And this just seems like a common sense thing if the person is going to be a danger to the community. But I think as Steve said, there were concerns and legitimate concerns about people of color getting a very rough break in the American legal system overall. And I think perhaps some reforms were taken, which now need to be reformed themselves. But there would have to be a constitutional amendment in Wisconsin, and that is a long process. I think there has to be two different sessions of the legislature to approve it, and then voters have to approve it. But right now, the person who was driving the car, his bail is now set at $5 million. That is correct. It is. On now to our last topic in Sudan politics, 12 cabinet ministers have submitted their resignation to newly reinstated Sudanese Prime Minister Abdallah Hamdak in protest against a political deal between the prime minister and the country's ruling military council. So what is the latest on this development? Prime Minister Abdallah Hamdak on live TV signed this deal with the very same top generals who overthrew him just a month ago, basically to share power. He says he will have the authority to form his own independent government, which he says will be a technocratic cabinet led by Hamdok. But this government would remain under military oversight. And Hamdok has come under a lot of criticism. The opposition in Sudan is rejecting this deal saying that Hamdok is betraying the country. But Hamdok himself is saying he realizes this deal is not perfect, but he said that he did it to stop the bloodshed because in Sudan, 41 people have been killed since the military coup a month ago. And the U.S. has reacted somewhat cautiously, saying, as you said, Secretary of State Blinken said this is a good first step, but that the U.S. needs to see more. They need to see political prisoners released and more steps back to the civilian-led process before U.S. aid to Sudan will be restored.
And one of the other concerns the U.S. has is instability in the region. A military coup in Sudan that now seems to be moving toward some sort of settlement is something the U.S. wants to see because next door is a very destabilizing situation going on in Ethiopia. It is an issue for the United States to make sure that stable governments are in both of those countries because it is such an important area for U.S. national security to keep terrorism to a manageable level, as well as Sudan's natural resources and the riches that it has in its borders. Both countries are really important to the U.S. national security. Yes, and we will have to wrap up the show on that note. My thanks to our panelists, Cindy Sane, VOA Senior Diplomatic Correspondent, and Steve Reddish, VOA Executive Producer. I'm Kim Lewis, and thanks for joining us for Issues in the News. 